The mysterious Jawas ride this combination tank and scrapyard across the Tatooine desert, selling and kidnapping used droids. Radio-controlled two-channel unit operates from up to 20 feet away, moves crawler in almost any direction. Roof hatch opens and side panels become a step ramp, scaled for figures sold on opposite page. Figures shown not included. Plastic. Uses two D and two nine volt batteries. For ages five and up. If you were a child excitedly flipping through the magical pages of the J.C. Penney Christmas catalog in 1979, you would have come across that otherworldly description as you prepared your holiday wish list. The Jawa Sandcrawler, released by Kenner for the Star Wars toy line, was a J.C. Penney exclusive. It was produced in a desert brown plastic and stood eight inches tall and stretched more than 16 inches in length. The price for this remote-controlled mobile home for scavengers? $30. The equivalent of $102 today. Expensive, sure, but that was precisely the type of toy you'd expect to find in a Christmas wish book. A special piece, one just out of reach. One that a Star Wars fan could command to roll across the kitchen's tiled floor as the Commodore's hit still played on the family stereo. Maybe Santa brought it for you, and it was waiting for you when you woke up that Christmas morning. Or it was one of the amazing gifts you received from your family during Hanukkah that year. Or maybe you, like most kids, did not receive one and instead dreamt of owning one until you had the money to pay for one yourself as a collector. Or maybe you were a little older and purchased one in the winter of 1979. Maybe you kept it in the box because the box was pristine and beautiful. And maybe you put it away and forgot about it for decades. And maybe you're the owner of the incredibly rare, still sealed in its original box, JCPenney exclusive Jawa Sandcrawler, cased by AFA and graded in immaculate 80 plus. One of a literal handful to exist. Somehow, in some way, that Jawa Sandcrawler survived more than 40 years and yet stayed in the same condition as when it first arrived to homes across the country during the end of Jimmy Carter's presidential term. And now, that piece is one of 300 vintage Star Wars collectibles for sale in the latest Hakes auction. Hakes, as a purveyor of pop culture and Americana memorabilia, has curated an incredible offering of some of the rarest and most desirable Star Wars pieces, starting with the groundbreaking first film in 1977 and wrapping up with the triple releases of The Power of the Force and the Droids and Ewoks animated series figure lines in 1985. And of course, for two die-hard Star Wars collectors, this is a wonderful opportunity to explore the Star Wars gems in Hake's auction number 234. This is part two of a conversation with collector, author, Longhorn, and dear friend Matt George. This is a continuation of our exploration into the resonant and storied items released between 1978 and 1980 including that Jawa Sandcrawler. 
this is an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan and collector. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. George, welcome back. We are doing the second part to this enormous, really deep Hakes 234 auction, um, which is going to be ending uh, as of um, March 15th and 16th. And um, so in the in the weeks, you know, coming uh, leading up to it, we're going to be just, you know, covering all of the different aspects of the Star Wars section of the catalog. So thank you for uh, for coming back today and, and joining me. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Looking forward to it. We got uh this is quite the extensive auction here. I think the last one was what about 200 items and we're looking at about 300 items this time. Yes. Yes. So and, uh, rather than I guess rather than you know one or two gigantic episodes, we'll make it a little bit more digestible for you guys. Yeah, sure. And the smaller episodes are going to focus on the different segments um of the the uh going by the films and the the Kenner lines and and um yeah, you're right. It'll be much more digestible, and uh, we have some really interesting pieces. The way that they've separated the catalog, too, um, they've included some really big ticket items and uh, some really rare pieces throughout the entire catalog. So it's it's fascinating to look through. You want to dive right in here? Yeah. Before we dive in, I just I wanted to get your take on what we discussed yesterday. You know, we looked at the first part. Uh, it was really only you know two or three dozen pieces that we that we looked at, but a lot of them were really storied pieces. Um, was there anything you know that now that we've stepped away from that yesterday? Is there anything that you you wanted to add or or share any of your your thoughts about that overall? Um. I mean, it just if you're looking for like a specific character, there's more options than there's been in the past. Usually, you know, it's it's one, maybe two per character per per uh, release. But you know, here we have multiple examples in varying conditions. Um, for most of the characters here, it looks like there might just be one or two where where there aren't multiple examples. But um, yeah, yeah. Just curious to see if that maybe uh, cools off some of the prices a little bit um, compared to, to previous auctions. But um, looks like there's quite a bit of early bidding on this stuff too, which is interesting. Um, yeah. Some of the items are, you know, already at their kind of within the range uh, or pretty close to it. So um, I don't know. Did you see anything that kind of 
jumped out at you? It's interesting that you mentioned the um, the fact that you know, especially for the original, the first twelve, um, that we are seeing multiples. Um, they're they're not the same. You know, oftentimes you might have uh, a twelve A and then you know a twelve B or something to that effect, or or a domestic one and an international one. Um, but we did see this in November of 2019 uh, during that Hakes auction, and I think it led to bitter fatigue. And there, there was a point where you know these pieces weren't reaching the prices that were expected. Um, here, I, I, I think every, the I think the hype around Star Wars collecting is so big that um, I was thinking about this earlier today. I, I really think that. You know, even having something like four Lukes in a lot or five Vaders, um, it makes it, a, you know, avail. Like people are looking for specific ones, so that certainly helps. And I think there, there's just so much excitement around these pieces and there's so much interest right now that I think honestly all of them are going to sell well. And probably, you know, in this in this first group, they're, they're going to sell over their estimates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the pieces that I was just kind of scrolling through the the 12 backs and one piece is one piece we didn't mention yesterday was the Death Squad Commander 12A, but it has the Han Solo blaster. Uh, looks like there's some, you know, that thing's already at 1650 bucks. It's AFA 80. Um, so I that's one that anytime those peculiarities show up in these auctions, it, you know, tends to get. Um, some interest in there. You see the prices go up compared to what they normally would be. So be curious to see how that one ends up. Mm-hmm. And with a little over two weeks, uh, right now it's at uh, 1650 and um, the estimate for it is 2000 to $5,000. So do you, do you think this one will come close to the high end of the estimate? Do you think it'll top it? I mean, it, it's, it's basically at the low end of the estimate now. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what kind of premium against uh, it gets versus just a normal twelve A uh, AFA eighty plus. So, uh, the fact that it's already at kind of what the AFA eighty plus would expect to get, uh, you know, tells me that there's going to be some interest behind this, and I, I think it's probably going to get closer to the high end than the low. Sure. Yeah, I believe it. Um, one of the pieces that that I've been really curious about, and when I know we discussed this in, in great detail yesterday, and, and you shared that amazing story, you know, behind the piece, the provenance of it. Um, but the the rocket firing Boba Fett prototype, uh, a collector this morning mentioned that um, he might be considering uh, purchasing one or, or, or you know bidding on one, uh, bidding on this one, um, but also mentioned that the the grade. Um, was something that might deter him that he was looking for a higher graded one. Um, and I think on the part of the casual collector, the one who's leaning more toward investing rather than just, you know, buying to add to a certain run or, or something on that order. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think the grade might come into play. Uh, it's currently, you know, again, with, with two weeks left, uh, more than two weeks, it's $60,000 right now with nine bids. Mm-hmm. Um, the estimate is somewhere between 100000 and $200,000. Um, mm-hmm. I think, Matt, I think it's, you know, safe to say that it'll certainly crack the $100,000 mark. But um, but I'm just really curious now with all of the hype, with the fact that the, the rocket firing Boba Fett has really become the premier piece for Star Wars collectors. Um, 
you know, will that grade actually hurt it? Or will people who look at this and say, okay, maybe there are something like 20 to 25 of these in existence. So I don't care if it's a 50 or an 80. Will that, will that change the, the, the value? I think you're, you're going to look at something like this and, and it's a, well, a relatively inexpensive way to get one without having to get close to the 200,000 mark or whatever. Um, so the, the folks that are strictly looking for one as uh, an investment piece, they're going to want the, the high end, the true collector that just wants one, but might not be able to spend the 200,000 plus, um, you know, this is the, the, uh, the piece for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, with, with the, with the way that 12 back prices are going and we'll talk a little bit about 20 back prices too here in a minute, but I mean, a collector could really sell his or her 12 back and part of their 20 back run to, to fund this piece. And you can always buy back that stuff later. You know, it's, um, it's always going to be more attainable because there's just so much of it out there, but there's only, you know, less than what, 25 of these in existence. So, sure. Um, I think it's going to, I think I said yesterday, you know, around 125 K something like that. Um, because I think it's something that people can sell items in their collection to fund and they don't have to sell too much of it to, to get to that 200 K mark. Um, I don't know. That's, that's who I envision getting this type of piece. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, it is really nice. I mean, I, I think, you know, it received the 50 because of the, the wear on the chest. And then I think the, um, um, the rocket firing mechanism is, is broken on the back. Is that correct? The tab, the, the tab that makes the J that, um, that holds back the lever that has snapped off. It still okay. fires. Like I've fired this piece, which was kind of cool. There's a video of it somewhere on on uh, the twelve back group. But um, yeah, the firing mechanism still works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got the right oh, okay. the right missile, the right rocket that goes with the J slot. So it's it's um, other than the tab breaking off, it uh, you know it's in fine working order. I guess we'll see in about two and a half weeks what, what it actually sells for. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a cool piece. And um, yeah, if you're looking for a rocket FET, this might be the opportunity to get one for uh, a better price. And um, you know, they're, they're certainly appreciating uh, at a very high level. Um, I just wonder, like, are we going to see a four hundred thousand dollar rocket FET at some point in the near future? You know, uh, yeah, you- yeah, we will. Um, we'll see. Uh, there's two of those bagged rocket fets that were mm-hmm. found a couple years back. Um, both of them are in you know, really good condition. I could see a piece like that definitely getting to half a million bucks. I don't know, like like time wise. I don't know if one will even come to the the open market. I would expect one or maybe both would come, but I don't think it'll be for a while. Um, but that's the, the kind of piece that's going to get us there. I, I, I don't know if we'll see a, a normal loose J slot get there, um, anytime soon, but it'll mm-hmm. get there. It just, it just will take a while. Just that's the nature of these high end collectibles. Like 
I remember when the Honus Wagner baseball card sold for what $435,000, the Gretzky Walmart piece, um, mm-hmm. way back when, when I was, you know, into baseball cards at a very, very young age. And now that piece is what, nine, 10 figures. So, um, you know, we were talking about yesterday, uh, uh, Honus Wagner with it's literally cut in half. Like yes, someone yes. tore it in half, like that piece got almost a half million bucks. So, I'll show you there's money out there for just to own the rarity. And that's why I think this piece is going to do fairly well. Mm-hmm. So there's some, somewhere there's all it takes is two people to bid it up. And I think right. there's two people out there that, that want it just to say that they have a, a J slot. And right. Because we don't know when another price. one will turn up. Yeah. All right. Having said that, let's dive into. We're going to continue with the the Star Wars segment um, of of the auction because there is a ton of Star Wars film related uh, figures here from the first film. Um, so we're going to cover everything up until about 1979 in this conversation. So Matt, you had mentioned that um, as we get into the 20 backs, you'd mentioned you'd wanted to, to, uh, to talk a little bit about the 20 backs and, and where we are with them right now. Yeah, we touched upon it a little bit on the last one, uh, but there's, it seems to be more and more interest in the, the Fed offer 20 backs and prices that really good conditioned items are going for with the, with the Fed offer. It's basically what 12 backs used to be. And so, but I, I almost see that there's like those pieces have a bigger chance of appreciating value than the 12 backs because they're so relatively low right now. And compared to see like, like compared to what the prices for 12 backs have done, I, I can definitely see these 20 backs with the, you know, there's so much interest around the FET. And um, I, I, I just see these as a really good investment opportunity for folks that, that uh, you know, are buying this stuff for investment purposes. Um, they're, they're hard to find in like 85, 90 condition, uh, for whatever reason, um, it's hard to find that's relative, but compared to 12 backs, they seem to, um, I don't know, come up, maybe I don't say less frequently, but, but I just paid it. I need to, I need to get a couple more for my own run. So I've paid special attention to, to, um, certain characters out there. Like Power Droid is really tough to find in good condition. Um, every time a Luke comes up now, because it's the first time he's in that X-wing pilot, that you know those tend to really pop now. And um, I just see a lot more interest being paid to these. I know that there's a couple collectors out there that that um, have put together a really nice twenty back run, both offerless and with the offer. Uh, I think more folks will follow suit just because it's a fun run to put together, but it's becoming tougher and tougher to find these high grade pieces. And I noticed that there's a, a power droid 85 here in this one. And it's already up to, to six sixty. Uh, there's a Luke 85, uh, with the fed offer. That's also up to six sixty. Uh, that one's unfortunately punched, but the, the power droid is unpunched and, and 85. So, um, I guess the whole kind of the whole point is is um, I see that part of the the market as an opportunity maybe for for some folks to kind of get these hold on to it a little bit and maybe 
you know, sell them off a little bit later to fund something bigger for their collections. I think over the last two years, as people have piled back into the hobby and we've seen more and more people snatching up 12 backs, the 20 backs um, have been sort of that next level where people who were priced out of the 12 backs or maybe grabbed the 12 backs and were looking for something else um, for that collecting fix started to really dive into to the 20 backs. And it's so funny that the 20 backs for so long have been ignored you know, for the most part, um, among, you know, hardcore collectors who are doing 20 back runs, that, that's a different story, but just in general, you know, people have always favored the 12 backs over the 20 backs. And now that many people are being priced out of the, the 12 backs, the 20 backs are really, I almost want I, I wanted to say they're starting to creep up in value, but I would say over the last year, year and a half, they've mm-hmm. really jumped. And, yep. um, you know, I mean, just from a, an investment perspective, if you're looking to potentially, you know, double your money in a year or two, um, it might be worth it to put a hundred thousand dollars into a group of twenty backs than putting it into a rocket firing fed. If you're looking at doubling your money in like a year or two or three, um, but yeah, a lot of these pieces, um, I, I think the market is slowly catching up to where they should be, and um, you know, we we may just actually see that with this. We have. Um, we have two really nice R5-D4s in here as well, a 20-back tw- C and a 20-back G. Um, you're right, though. That power droid, uh, it is so difficult to find one with a bubble that isn't crunched, um, one that didn't sit in some sort of clearance bin um, or you know just hasn't, hasn't been knocked around. Uh, and so to find one at an 85, as you said, unpunched, it, this, this one's just actually gorgeous and... Um, I, I really think it's going to surpass it, the high end of its estimate. Yeah, I, I'm going to be placing a bid on the Power Droid for sure. And then the Walrus Man, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it, but the Walrus Man, it's it's unpunched, straight 85. It's already at 1,100. And it's, it's estimate is 2,000 to 5,000. Now, I don't know that the walrus man is significantly harder to get in 85 condition than a power droid it's um, the 20 back c that i think that's what makes it really difficult uh so the 20 back c is the last one i believe that had the rocket firing image on the back and then i think the d was a black sticker or a sunburst that was that was placed over it um so for some reason 20 c's are really tough um i've, I've had a few uh, a Greedo and they're just, you know, they've always been in demand. Um, so I, I think that's the reason the fact that this is straight 85s, um, unpunched. Yeah. I mean, it's just, people are now starting to really lean into some of these, you know, I guess they call them like the second eight, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the ones mm-hmm. after the first 12. And just from an aesthetic standpoint, there's, there's so much more colorful than that first, you know, the 12 back run, uh, you know, Kenner went out of their way to put more color into the line for that second release. Um, and I don't know, just I think there's everything about these kind of checks all the boxes. Um, so curious to see where, where these go. Uh, the good news is we've got like every character pretty much represented here in fairly high grades. Um, looks like uh, we've got an 85 on, is it every character? Is that right? 
I haven't really gone through here in, in a lot of detail yet, but I think yes. they've got an 85 on pretty much every character. So that's pretty cool to see. This is, yeah, you know, definitely a segment of the market that I'm paying extra attention to in these days. Sure. And you're right. It's a really fun card. Uh, really cool figures. You know, the, the fact that most of these are aliens or droids and, uh, and and really colorful. I mean, some of the best card backs are the R5-D4, the Power Droid, uh, the, the Death Star Droid, and the, the Luke X-Wing, too. So, I mean, they're just... Even the Greedo, you know, just being a mostly green card, it's still really colorful. So. Yeah, very interesting to see where this goes. Um, looks like we've got a first shot here mixed in. Um, we got a blue snag first shot and then a walrus man first shot. Um, yeah, so lots, the- lots 1651 and 1655 are the first shots. Yeah, we uh, as far as first shots go, by far the most plentiful are that kind of second release of the from the first movie, but specifically the Sears Cantina characters. For whatever reason, maybe they had to do those first, but those have shown up uh, with a lot of frequency here, um, especially the last couple of years. There's been new finds come along that has added to the population reports and um. It's taken. I think that it's taken away a little bit of interest on those, just because you know so many have come to market in a short amount of time. But um, you know that blue snag, even though it graded at AFA sixty, um, it's already at twenty two hundred. So it's it's already into the the estimate of of two to five thousand. It's funny. I think we talked about this in the last uh, for the last auction in November. But there was a point around 2019 and 2020 where people were actively trying to sell out of these pieces that they had. Um, there was a collector who was offering them up on Deal or No Deal in one of our Facebook groups, and and you know they've they've popped up among different Facebook groups and and on eBay, and um, I, the prices had really dropped. You know they they were down at um, almost levels that people are paying for EPs now uh, for engineering pilots. Um, which are essentially production figures with, you know, that have been tested and, and have markings on the feet. But, um, but it, I mean, it's funny now, now we're looking at these pieces and these, these first shots that were considered common are now becoming much more desirable. And, uh, and I think being auction, uh, offered in an auction like this uh, is going to bring more eyeballs to them and just make them more in demand. Yeah. It's interesting that second release from the first movie it's a, a night and day difference between the Sears Cantina characters and the other characters. Um, it really is, yeah. Yeah, the, the blue snag is, I think the most common is Walrus Man, but the blue snag is up there in sheer uh, in terms of sheer numbers. But the red snag, I only know of two examples of first shots that have turned up. Um, so, you know, for a while there, I was trying to go after the a run of all of the first 21 first shots, but I got to the point where, like, I knew where the two red snags were. Um, I, there was only one Death Star droid. It wasn't leaving the the owner's hands anytime soon, and um, it just, uh, you know, I, I it would be so hard to complete it. I wound up just kind of. Um, selling them off and getting into some other stuff, but um, 
if one of the, if one of those ever came onto the auction, I would, I'd be curious to see where those would end up. But uh, in the meantime, we'll you know definitely be interested to see where these these wind up. The we we the, actually this, had a we had a red snaggletooth uh, engineering pilot show up in the November auction, and that mm-hmm. one sold for eleven eighty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hopefully we, we do at some point see a, a first shot red snaggletooth. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see. And, um, you know, these, the Sears Cantina first shots, you know, in 2016, I think is 2017 is probably when they peaked in value and they were getting regularly 7,500 bucks. Uh, and now they're, you can get almost the entire run for that. So if you were to guess uh, for both of these, what do you think they wind up at? Right now, the estimate is 2000 to 5000 for each of them. I think the blue snag will probably end up around 3500 to 4000 kind of that same ballpark where that bagged version went last time. Oh, that wasn't a bagged version. That was a loose. It was just a plain. Just a regular loose. loose. A regular loose. Uh, blue snaggletooth graded at an 85 plus, and it sold for okay. 3800 I think. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of where I think it's going to end up at. And that that ballpark. And then the, the walrus man, I think it'll be between 2000 and 2,500, something like that towards the lower end. Okay. I would really like to see the blue snaggletooth somewhere in the six to $8,000 range, just because I, I can't, I can't grasp the fact that uh, a first shot would be the same price as a, a loose high grade figure. Yeah. I just, there's <laughs> so many of them out there and it's AFA 60. So you know, if it's if a first shot eighty five turned up, I think it'd blow past that five thousand. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This, yeah, this one's being a sixty. I, I just don't know that it'll get there. Have you seen a, a ninety first shot? No, I think the highest graded first shot I've seen is uh, it's an eighty five. Yeah, not to say there's none out there. I just personally haven't seen one. Sure. Yeah. Okay, now we we come upon um, one of the more popular areas of Star Wars collecting right now, and that is the group of Boba Fett pieces that are offered. Um, And we're actually, we're strangely starting out with a 20-back Boba Fett. Um, So this is a 20-back B, graded at an AFA 60. Um, Matt, I thought the Boba Fett figure came on the 21-back card. Why? What's the deal with this one? In Canada, they released the Boba Fett figure on a 20-back. So there are a number of Kenner Canada releases uh, interspersed throughout this auction here. This happens to be one of them. Uh, Notoriously, this is a tougher piece to get than the U.S. counterpart on 21B. Um, And this one is at a 60, though. So it's – I would expect this to go kind of for what an American AFA – 70 or so would go for and it looks like the estimate on this one is 2000 to 5000 it's already at 1725 with five bids so there's some interest in this piece for sure despite the the lower grade okay i looked through the uh the hakes previous sales from the the, uh, the, the previous auctions and um one graded at an 80 sold for four thousand dollars in november of 2019 do you think and now this one is a sixty? But do you think it'll sell for more or less than that one? 
I think it'll sell for about that. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if this goes past the estimate. Just because you know, again, the, the Canada is a little bit tougher to get than the American version on the twenty one B. American twenty one A is the is the the toughest one to find. Um, but yeah, I think there's going to be enough interest in this one to approach that high end of the of the range here. Are you a Miller guy? Uh, I have numbers? a, yeah, I have a, I'm trying to get the full run of, of all the figures in the, uh, with the mailers. Um, but I'm not someone that is, it, I'm only interested in the one you had to like physically mail proofs of purchase away, uh, into Kenner to get the figures. I'm, I'm trying to get those, the kind of the catalog, you know, plain Brown box that the Sears and Penny stuff came in. I'm, I'm, I don't go down that rabbit hole, but the like the Fet mail away, Bosk, Akbar, Emperor, Mannequin, Nine Numb, all those I, I definitely go for. Okay, so this one is a Star Wars Boba Fett mail away figure. Um, I believe it has the small catalog, and it's graded at an AFA seventy. So the way it's displayed, um, the the bagged figure, the um, booklet. And then the note from Kenner are all taken out of the box and then arranged in an acrylic and then displayed that way and graded at a 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This again, the smaller catalog is a lot more common than the, the larger catalog version. So people definitely pay up to get that large version just cause it's a little bit harder to get. Um, 70 is a little lower grade than, than, um, than I think people are going to be paying just crazy money to get last. Let's see. Last time we had the, there's a Boba Fett mail away figure that graded at UKG 85 and it went for 2856. So here we have an AFA 70. I would expect it to go for, you know, a, Significantly less than what the one went for last time. Okay. There's like I, a, uh, it, I, I would be surprised if it hit that uh, that upper end. These these are not hard to get. Like they're they're quite plentiful out there, especially the, the small catalog. Right, and they're just harder to get in really really good condition. You know, getting yeah. an eighty five or a ninety is pretty difficult. Right. Next, we have one that I, I know you're definitely interested in um, and are going to really pay up for it. Uh, it's the loose Boba Fett figure, the Hong Kong version. So it's just a loose graded figure graded at an 85. Um, are you going all in on this, Matt, or are you going to be a little more reserved with this one? Yeah, I've already put my proxy bid in for 8000 so I'm definitely going to secure this one. Okay, so perfect. Just back, yeah, just back off. Surprisingly, uh, so I, I looked this one up on, on Hakes as well um, to see what an 85 had sold for in previous auctions. And I think this is the first time that we're actually seeing a loose 85. I think the only ones that I that I turned up were either an 80 or an 80 plus. So we've never seen an 85 before. Right now, the estimate is $400 to $700, and it's already up to $342 for a loose Boba Fett figure. Loose prices are going nuts. I mean, absolutely, they're going nuts. This is definitely if by uh, a function of COVID, people being 
was kind of you know locked away for a while and turning towards her hobbies to fill the fill the hours because the the just the whole loose market has just gone nuts. Eighty five and ninety are what people are trying to put their runs around, and um, so the fact that it's already almost to the 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 low estimate is not surprising. Do you, and it's, could you you know like FET? There's so many of these loose figures out there, but you know there's so I think the FET character added an extra paint application compared to previous characters. So there's a, a greater chance for, you know, paint rubs or paint smears, mispaints, oversprays, things like that. So it does make it a little bit trickier to get an 85 on a FET than just your average figure. But there's there's just so much of these out there. But the fact that there's so much interest in them really hasn't had a, a detriment to the prices do you see it do you see it winding up in the in the midpoint of the estimate at like five hundred dollars or uh hitting the high end at seven hundred or even topping that for for a loose regular production figure so it's an eighty five not eighty five plus right yeah i mean i I would be surprised if it went much past uh seven hundred but definitely wouldn't be shocked if it got to that point okay and you said you're all in on it right all in. Yeah. Everyone stay back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So now we approach the 21 backs. Um, Matt, hey, let me ask a, you this. Yes. Let me ask you this. Since we're talking about FET, do you, th- do you think that the show, the book of Boba Fett has any kind of, uh, affected Boba Fett prices in any way? Like, do you think it had a positive, negative or neutral effect? I love because this I, question. Yeah, I I have my own thoughts. Um, I'll let you go first, but I definitely wanted to ask the question. So I, I think the show did not do what it had hoped to do. Um, I think it had intended to make Boba Fett even more popular among collectors who have already collected Boba Fett. And I think, you know, the goal was to introduce this really cool Boba Fett character to a new audience and a younger audience. And I think, I think it tried to do that. And I I don't know if it did. Um, In fact, I think it actually, I think it took away from some of the mystery of Boba Fett. And I think the character was so popular for a while because in a way it was, the character was a blank canvas. So people could project whatever they wanted to on that character. And I think seeing an older Boba Fett like this, um, you know, regardless of how people feel about the writing and, and the structure of the, the overall series, um, I think it might have actually hurt the interest in in the in the character uh, overall. And we might not be seeing that just yet. And I think those who love Boba Fett are and maybe don't like the series or just going to ignore the series and just focus on the Boba Fett that they knew from the seventies and eighties. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I think we saw such a different character than we saw in the Mandalorian season two, episode five, I think from what we got in the actual show or six, six, whatever it was. Yeah. 
um, I was surprised with the direction they took it. Like in the show, I thought the highlight of the show outside of the two Mandalorian standalone episodes they threw in there. Um, I was more interested in, in kind of the flashbacks and the, and, um, the sand people scenes and how he, they, you know, saved him and how they taught him to, you know, fight their style and live their life. Like that to me was the highlight of the show. Anytime he was in the, the, the Boba Fett armor, um, or in the present, anytime. Yeah. Anytime he had the armor on or just was in the back to tank and anytime, you know, post flashbacks, that was the weakest part of the entire series. And And many people have said he was the most, uh, the least interesting character as well on screen. I mean, you, I would, uh, I don't know. I, the mod squad, I wasn't really into them. I thought they were pretty uninteresting, but the, yeah, the, I don't think the the showrunners did fed any kind of service um, in his armor, I guess. So anytime you kind of look at Boba Fett in his armor now, I've got that kind of gnawing in the back of my head. I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay. Um, it it didn't live up to the the original trilogy, and it didn't even live up to Mandalorian Season 2. Like that... that it's just like a completely different character. So I think that there's some mi- mixed messaging about what they see, how they see Boba Fett, even within the, the Star Wars creators world, like Lucasfilm. Um, there was so much interest in the character going into it that they couldn't appease everybody. But like, I don't think they appeased anybody is kind of the way I look at it. And I'm, I'm really glad that the point that you brought out is one that maybe people haven't been focused on. Um, a lot of the argument has been um, against people who don't like it to say, well, you had this, this idea of Boba Fett set up in your mind since 1980 and, you know, it couldn't live up to that or something on that order. And I, I think when you're doing the comparison, you're talking about, well, what we got in the book of Boba Fett was different from what we received in episode six of the Mandalorian, which is not too far away. And I think that what we, what we received in that episode was a character that was really fascinating, that had some mystery and edge to him. And you're right. What what we were given in his series this year was a much different character and a much different product. Yeah. Like that episode of Mandalorian was fantastic. I mean, it was one of the better episodes of the entire series. And it it was a continuation of of what Fett was back in you know the eighties and the original trilogy time period, and I think that got people completely jazzed about the show. Right? Chronologically, in the Star Wars universe, Book of Boba Fett <laughs> happened right after that episode of The Mandalorian. Like he left to go to. Tatooine and kick Bib Fortuna off his throne. Like it happened right after that. Right. And he tries to be this like compassionate guy. And, and it's, it's a complete reversal of what we had just seen, you know, not that long ago on, on the Mandalorian. So I don't think they really thought all of that through. 
it just it didn't um it's kind of like the the sequel trilogy like it didn't appear like they had a cohesive idea from the beginning and built towards something uh that's the way i see it here too with with the boba fett character i believe that when they were doing that episode the original director who was supposed to run episode six of um of the Mandalorian season two was unable to do it. And so they, they got Robert Rodriguez to do it and he did a great job and they liked what he did. And I think to me, this show now felt like they had basically called up one of their friends as kind of a last minute thing and said, Hey, this character is really popular. Um, You know, people seem to really like him and we like what you did with this. Like, let's, let's put a whole story around this now. Let's put a whole series around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, Hakes was counting on that series being really good because I mean they, they're marketing Boba Fett in this auction. I mean you, you go on Hakes.com. There's a big Boba Fett um you, you main image on the on the website. You click to it for the Boba Fett items, but um I don't think that we'll see the prices anywhere near what they could have been had the show taken what we saw in Mandalorian season two to, to the next level. I think you're right. Long-term, do you think this really hurts uh, interest in this character? Or do you think Boba Fett pieces are just always going to continue to rise and, and that there will be, there will always be somebody who will want a, a 21A, a 21B, a 20, 20B Kenner, Canada? Yeah, I don't think it was such a disservice to the character that it would just like, materially affect the prices too negatively. Like I think there's always going to be Boba Fett folks just from their childhood. Like that's how they remember the character. I just don't think that it's generated enough incremental interest in the character to kind of take prices and interest to that next level. Would you relate this to, or would you equate this to what we saw in, um, in 2017, when we finally received our answer to where Luke had been all this time with the last Jedi, where a lot of collectors and a lot of fans were not happy with the answers that we were given or the story that we were given in that movie. Do you think that that had hurt interest in collecting Luke for a while or where the the Luke prices would have been? Yeah. I know a number of my personal friends that have been star Wars fans for years and years and years that got so turned off by the last Jedi, they quit collecting because of what specifically what they did with the Luke character. So I do think that had an effect. I know it did because I had buddies that spent a lot of money on, on in the hobby and just were, were done with it because of what they did to Luke. So I don't think it's going to be anywhere near that here with Boba mm-hmm. Fett. Um, but he didn't do they didn't do anything to help it i guess in the same sense though um at the end of mandalorian season 2 they brought uh, the jedi luke that we know back um and uh and we saw him uh in the book of boba fett as well do you think that that has encouraged collectors to go for luke pieces or has that um increased the interest overall in luke pieces now and did what the last Jedi didn't do. Yes. Yes. I I think, I think we've seen it in sales prices since then. Um, there's been 
heightened interest, in, especially in that Luke Jedi figure. Um, so I, I, the thing with, uh, like, I don't know if they're going to do this with Boba Fett. They would spend like the amount of money on, on de-aging him and things like that. But a backstory to Fett kind of in the, you know, the years leading uh, up to Empire Strikes Back, like that might be fun to look at if you just, you know, maybe kept his helmet on and just used Morrison for the voiceover work. That might be something that could kind of re-stimulate the Fett character. Um, have him interact with all the bounty hunters we saw in Empire Strikes Back. That would be kind of fun, I think. Um, so I, there's definitely uh, plenty of opportunities out there for them to reinvigorate the, the Fett character, but... Um, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near kind of what we saw um, with Luke. Like I, I, um, it's like they made a concerted effort to go back and try to win back those fans that were lost from last Jedi by reinserting young Luke into the, into the canon. Sure. I also, I think it did make sense to the story. Um, You know, that, that, it's five years after return of the Jedi. So we are going to see a continuation of Luke's story. And that was great, especially when you have someone like Filoni, um, who is one of the, the story heads, you know, and, and who's, who's, um, in charge of, of the direction of, of where these star Wars stories are going. So bringing Luke back does make sense, but you're right. And, and that Luke that we received, even if digitally, uh, you know, they're, it might be kind of the, the earliest versions of, of a, a digital de-aging. Um, we still saw the, the Luke that we knew and loved. And, um, and I, I, I think, I think if you, if you traced the prices of Luke Jedi figures and even Luke Skywalker figures in general, um, I would, I would even say, I think that led to, you know, some of the, the prices that we saw in the Hakes auction and just the overall interest in, in Luke pieces, Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of which Luke it was, I think that brought people back to that love of Luke. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, it, they had him in the exact same outfit as Return of the Jedi. Um, I thought that they would, you know, use that as an opportunity to get him into a more traditional uh, Jedi garb and, right. you know, get an opportunity to make a new car- new figure. Um, but it's interesting they left him in that to... I guess reinvigorate that nostalgia back into the character. Yeah, there was That's very little opinion. change. I don't know if that was yeah, I don't know if that was concerted effort on their part, but um I I thought it was definitely an interesting decision that they did. They had the every chance to to change up that outfit. Like they dressed him in black for a reason in, in Return of the Jedi. It was a, a thematic decision. Um just to kind of illustrate the real chance that he could go over to the dark side and right because at the end um that one piece of of his shirt flaps over and you see like mm-hmm. the the lighter color underneath uh, which mm-hmm. i think they said that they did that on purpose to show you that he was he was always good that he wasn't going to go to the dark side yeah at his core he was always light side but um they decided to keep him in the, in the uh the all black attire which was interesting but um, I do think that that was a decision they made for the fan, like the fans out there that had, were turned off from Last Jedi, and they wanted to kind of, um, I guess, call back to kind of that nostalgia of the the original trilogy. 
So I, I think what I'm gaining from this conversation is that if if Disney is smart and if they take the lessons that they learned from the, the first season of the book of Boba Fett, and if they're pursuing a second season, if they follow a similar path where they're able to get back to the, the core roots of the character. And I, I like what they've done with his character as far as making him someone who is looking to be part of a family or um, more sympathetic and, and um, you know, and, and more, uh, connective among others. I, I think that's great, you know, and, and having him, you know, as he gets older, having him learn these, go, go th- going through these experiences and learning these lessons. Um, but I think if they, if they maybe just redirect his character a little bit and, and kind of bring him back to his, his original roots to, to a degree or show us that, that essence that we knew, you know, for the past 30, 40 years, um, I think you'll start to see Boba Fett pieces pick up even more, right? It'll just have that extra effect on wherever they're going anyway. Yeah. And that's, that's the cool thing about having a character in a helmet is you don't have to have that actor portray him. Um, I know that, you know, Tamora Morrison's getting up there in age and, um, but they can easily go back and do a, a Boba Fett pre empire, um, or just do a whole show based on bounty hunters. You know, that right, would be yeah. really cool to see. And, um, you know, that's always out there, but it's, I'm curious to see, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment on kind of where this fits in, in the larger star Wars universe until it unfolds a little bit more. But, um, I, I'm curious to see how it's going to connect to you know, the Mandalorian and Ahsoka and to have Boba Fett basically in charge of, of a large part of Tatooine. I think we've, Kind of straight off the tracks here, but I think it's important because there's just you know a number of Boba Fett items in this uh, in this auction. And speaking of know, speaking we... of, there's a there's a 21 back B AFA 85. It's punched, um, but like this this has become kind of a like we talked last time before the show. It looked like people were, were kind of clamoring to get Boba Fett items, right? And like people were putting. Wanted to buy Boba Fett 85, uh, 21 back, 15,000 cash. Like that was common to see on the boards. We had our collector Uh, friends doing that. You know, there are people that we know who were putting that in. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting to see, like, this is a good kind of piece to act as a bellwether to see uh, what the interest is post the show. Um, So that's partly why I brought it up because of this one piece here, this 21 B um, just to see what it does. It has a value. It's, it's number actually 1672. It has a estimate 10 to 20,000 and it's already at 12,000 with nine bids. Um, this is one of the pieces that I, I'm the most interested in seeing where it ends up just because of, of that show and to see what effect it had. Now it's not a straight 85. It's got a, an 80 card. But it's got 85 bubble and figure. Uh, the gun is taped down. Uh, for whatever reason, this figure has the gun come loose more than most. Uh, but this one does look like the tape is holding the gun to the to the blister still. And just a uh, note of 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 caution. Um, you had mentioned this. I think this is important. So it is an overall 85, and I think that's why it's currently at twelve thousand dollars right now. Um, the next bid after this uh, has to be. 
$13,200, which equates to $15,576 after the buyer's premium. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this is going to jump pretty quickly. Um, but with any time that you are going for a carded figure and it has an overall grade of an 85, if one of the subgrades that's not the figure is an 80 and the figure has an accessory, you have to be very careful because if that tape comes loose and the and the the, uh, the figure's gun falls, uh, then that subgrade immediately drops to an 80. And then you have two 80s and an 85, which equates to an 80. So your figure overall, your carded figure can drop down from an 85 to an 80. Some people don't mm-hmm. care. You know, they figure it, it displays like an 85. That's all I care about. But if you are bidding on an item and you are paying the 85 price and it has the opportunity to drop to an 80 overall, um, that can really crush the value. Um, yep. and, and so it's interesting that you, you pointed this one out because right above it is one that I think is, is much more interesting, much more rare. Um, this is the 21 back a Boba Fett. So mm-hmm. it's currently, it's, it's right now at $2,400 um, and the reason why it's so low right now is because it's at a 70 plus uh, for, for the grade. Um, but I, I think Matt, you and I talked about this last time, right? And you had said that, you know, I think there was a 21 B and a 21 C that were offered. And you said that you would love to see what a 21 A would sell for, um, mm-hmm. if it came to market. And, and now we finally have one. Yeah. Now this one, um, has a 70 bubble. And it looks like, you know, in addition, there's, you know, there's some like crushing on one of the corners there, a little bit on the top left, looks like. But then this one, the gun, like the tape has come loose from the blister. Um, so the gun is, um, I don't know if the top of the tape has come loose, but definitely the bottom has. Um, so that's, that's definitely helping to contribute to that 70 grade for the bubble. Um, so you don't have to worry about, the, the gun coming loose for this one. It's not going to alter that total grade of 70 plus. It might drop it down to a 70. Well, it's, I guess my point is it's already loose. So it's not like you can't get another ding. Um, like, well, I don't no, think the, the ding is on the figure, not the bubble. Oh, I was thought it was the bubble. Grade. No, no, that that's what I'm saying. Oh. So if if oh, okay. that if that uh, gun comes loose, that figure's 85 grade goes down immediately to an 80. So now okay. you have you. the card as an 80, the bubble as a 70, and the figure as an 80, and that 70 plus goes down to a 70. But this one already is at an 85 figure. I, are are you sure that it's the figure and not the bubble? I promise you, it's the figure. Okay, then this one shouldn't have an eighty-five figure if the gun is already loose. Um, I think, I think as long as it's still attached with the tape. I mean, honestly, I think this probably became loose after it was graded, um, but because it hasn't fallen and hasn't fallen from that spot yet, I guess you could still consider it being taped to the the blister. Interesting. That. Hmm. Okay. I always thought it was the bubble. I assume no. it was the bubble. No, it's the figure. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well. Well, so to give you an idea, um, the so there have been a few sales of the 21A and the 21B through Hakes. Uh, 
In June of 2021, an AFA-70 sold for $7,700 for a 21A. Um, For the the 21B, uh, in the last auction, a 75 sold at $9,000. And the highest graded one at a Hakes auction was a 90 in July of 2019. Um, Matt, what do you think it sold for in 2019? A A 21A? 21B graded at a oh, 90. 20, 21B at a 90. What were the, the subgrades? Do you know? I don't. I just overall it was a 90. I'm going to go 25,000. $10,700. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I know. I know. What do you think that would sell for now if somebody put 20. that up? Well north of 25,000. So um, would it reach golden prices? <laughs> Thirty thousand. Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, people are putting like buy it now for eighty fives at fifteen thousand. You see what loose prices do between eighty five and ninety. For carded, I think it's an even bigger multiplier. So, so I think twenty five minimum. Um, definitely into the thirty thousand, I would think. Right, man, that that one isn't even that long ago. No, no, you, I mean, it's, you're talking. Um, you're talking July twenty nineteen. So it's pre COVID. So like COVID's like dog years, right? So each COVID year represents like <laughs> seven normal years, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yes. Crazy. Yeah. Well, whoever got that got a deal. I hope the the gun's still on the bubble. Yeah, it's it's a huge deal though. It's it's a nice piece. Yeah, um, we have one more Boba Fett related piece here in this in this trio, and um, this one is lot sixteen seventy three, and it's the it's listed here as the Star Wars Collect All twenty one action figures nineteen seventy nine bell display hanger uh, advertising store display sign graded at an eighty plus. However. Matt, I did a little research into this, and this one isn't actually considered the Collect All Twenty One. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, this is a much harder one to get than the uh, Collect All Twenty One. Yeah the the um, the Star Wars Collectors Archive, that amazing, incredible site, uh, lists this as a Star Wars Twenty action figure hanger, um, with the idea being that if you get all twenty, then you can mail away for the the twenty first. The, the Collect All 21 Bell came later, um, but this is sort of an early version of that. And um, uh, it was it's listed, so this and the, the header that came for it are listed as two of the rarer uh, display pieces, uh, especially in early Star Wars collecting. Um, yeah. I think the header is much rarer, but... Um, but so this is this is a, a pretty rare piece, a uh, pretty desirable one too. There was an early version of this display, and it had a, a really noticeable difference. Where, um, so the way that the bell is displayed, you have the Star Wars logo, the racetrack around it, pictures of the twenty action figures, and it says um, "Get a free Boba Fett action figure." And then in a yellow sunburst, it has a picture of Boba Fett, and it says "Boba Fett" in parentheses, actual size. And then the original one had three bullet points. It said movable arms and legs, detachable laser rifle. And then the third one was um, 
The rocket firing pack. Removable rocket. Yeah. And so in in this one now, so that and that was removed very early. Uh, so now it just has the two bullet points. But anyway, so that's what this is. Um, the value code on this, the estimate is uh, is ten to twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, if I was going to get, I, I don't collect displays. If I was going to get one, this would be the one I would get. Um, despite the Tonto bullet point down there, where it says a new character in Star Wars sequel. Um, <laughs> Little little Tonto speak there. Um, like this to me just looks really good. Um, it's it's got all the first twenty one characters. Uh, it's got the the killer rocket uh, the the Boba Fett prototype there. Um, you know, the first time you were seeing this character in stores was on this bell. Um, it's got pro- like the the photos of a lot of these these figures are prototypes. Um. I don't know. This just, uh, if I were to get one piece to put it in my, as kind of the centerpiece of my first 21 collection, this would be it. Do you think, so the estimate right now is 10 to 20,000. Do you think it'll mm-hmm. land, um, somewhere in there or, or over it or possibly under it? Yeah. These don't pop up too often. Um, I'm actually surprised there's not a bid in it yet. The starting bid's 5,000. Um, I think it'll hit, Right in the middle. These don't come up very often. So I think you're going to get a couple people at least go after this one. Yeah, I mean, for a really early display like this, too, you know, and, and you're right, it's one of the few displays that shows that early prototype Boba Fett. Yeah, a lot of the first 12 shown there are prototypes. Um, like a number of the actual photo samples that are on here have turned up and they're in collections now. Um, but you know, a lot of them are prototype figures. So <clears throat> I don't know. This is just pretty cool. It, it, it appeals to a lot of people that collect the higher end stuff too. Um, you know, if someone's got, I don't know, I'm making it up, but a, a photo of that, uh, if someone that has the actual R5 or the, Vader, you know, in their collection, that'd be a cool piece to get too. So, um, I don't know. I, I tend to think this one will go fairly high. And we've seen a number of our friends professionally frame and mat these items. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, with putting like a, you know, a yellow mat behind it, um, either like a, a black frame or Navy frame. And I mean, it just, it really turns it into a piece of art. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful when done like that. So it would be nice to see somebody get this and, and do something special with it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So we've gone through all of the carded and loose figures, and now we're going to be venturing into some of the other star Wars related items, um, like the, the larger figures, uh, the, the play sets and vehicles and, and the other offerings around the early star Wars stuff. So, uh, Mr. George, we're looking at a group of three-pack related items, and uh, there's one that that really caught your attention. Uh, if you want to give us a little background on it and why it's receiving a pretty high estimate. Yeah, so the item in question is number 1674. It's a Star Wars three-pack Series 1 box flat, AFA 80+. And so this has got a uh, an estimate of 
10 to 20,000. Um, so this is, let's see here. So it's series one, right? So it's got the LP logo. Uh, so this would have been from 1978, the first release. So they did three different sets. Um, in 1978, they did like a hero set, villain set, an android set. This one is not specific to one of those. It's just a uh, a box flat for that first release of three packs. So what this is, is it's very similar to what a proof card is uh, for carded figures. This is just a, basically an unused um, box that the three packs would come in. And these very rarely come up for sale. Anything three pack related usually gets a much bigger premium just because um, they're fairly difficult to obtain. And anytime a, a pre-production item comes up from that specific run, uh, there tends to be a lot of interest in the items. This specific one looks like it comes from the, the collection of one Gus Lopez, longtime Star Wars collector. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot going for it here with this item. Do you think that I, I don't know what what an, a fair estimate would be for this? I mean, it, you know, the estimate here is ten thousand to twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Could you see this being something similar to uh, the Empire Strikes Back action figure display stands prototype that we saw in the last auction that hit something like fifteen thousand dollars? Yeah, I think that's that's uh, a fair estimate. Um, it's an AD condition, not that the condition really matters too much um, on one-offs like this. Um, 80 plus is still a really good grade. Um, it looks like the estimates for the, the three packs that they've got here, two of which are 85s, those are have the ten to 20,000 estimates. So I would think that this piece would be kind of in line with what those would go for, maybe even a little higher given the fact that they're so scarce. Um, if I was a three pack collector and I had the chance to get this box flat or one of the other two eighty five three packs that's up, I would gravitate towards the box flat just because they don't come up nearly as often. Okay, it's it's certainly an interesting piece. I don't know if we've ever seen a three pack a box flat show up before uh, at a Hakes auction or, or you know in any of the other uh, Facebook groups, but um, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting piece. Um, I know you're not a, a, a three pack collector, right? I have one just because it's Ben. Ben is my focus character, but um, I've never gone down that rabbit hole. Okay. So of the three that we're looking at now, the android, the villain set, and the creature set. I know the creature set is the most common, um, but of the android and villain set, I mean, they they both have estimates of ten to twenty thousand dollars. Do you see either one of them uh, blowing past that estimate? If it was going to be one of those, I, it would be the the villains set, just because it's it's harder to come by than the the Cantina and the Android set, which is so weird that Chewie is thrown in there with the, uh, <laughs> the Android sets. Yes. But <laughs> but, the but uh, anyway, Android. <laughs> for whatever reason, um, those two are. I don't know if they're the most common, but they're definitely two of the most common three packs. That villain set, it's got Vader and Stormtrooper. Uh, it's unpunched. It 
it, it's a little bit harder to come by and it's an 85 condition. So I think that's probably going to be the one that goes for the highest amount. And I have not seen one sell for over 20,000 that I can remember. Um, so if this does eclipse that 20,000 mark, it would set a record as far as I know. Um, I know that like the, these are f- significantly more common than some of the harder f- to find empire strikes back three packs, like the Bespin Alliance, I think is the general consensus is that's the, the hardest one to find. That one's the one that has uh Bespin security guard, Lando and Luke Bespin. Uh, I think that's the the cream of the crop. I saw one go up for sale on eBay. It, it's in fairly rough shape for twenty thousand, and I think that seller also put it for sale on the Facebook groups at fifteen thousand. Um, but then you know, there's a couple other ones like the one that features uh, I think it's Leia Hoth, Luke Hoth, and R two sensor scope. That one's fairly tough. The one with uh, I think it's. Uh, FX7, Han, Han Hoth, I think that's it. That one's really tough to find. Um, I could definitely see those hitting kind of that 20,000 plus if they were in 85 condition. So I'm not quite sure that that this one's going to get there. But if one of the one of these three is going to get there, it's going to be that one. Okay. Yeah, and that makes the most sense too. And I think for even your casual collectors who are looking to buy these bigger ticketed items, something with Vader front and center and, and a Stormtrooper uh, is going to draw more attention than our three favorite androids. Next up is one of my favorite pieces uh, of all time. It's just it's one that um, I do not currently have in my collection. I, I do hope to stumble upon it someday. Um, I think this is a great example for anyone who's interested in it. So um, it is uh, lot number 1678, and it's the Star Wars wind-up R2-D2 figure on an 18-back uh, Kenner Canada card. Um, and so these were originally sold loose um, through Takara. They're, they're created by Takara, uh, loose in Japan. And um, I remember reading Steve Sansweet's book and uh, from concept to screen to collectible. And he had mentioned that uh, this, this piece was uh, one of George Lucas's favorite items from the star Wars series. And um it's just, it's a great piece. What happened was Kenner uh, Canada is connected. They had a relationship with, um, to, with Takara and they had basically licensed or they had, they had used um, the, they had taken the loose figures and then put them on a card back, um, which is known as an 18 back. And uh, it doesn't look like anything you'd see <laughs> for, in the Kenner line. Um and then I believe it was I, I I believe that um Kenner was unhappy with it and and wound up pulling it. So it's it's not it, it's very hard to find these. Um loose you can find them because you know again they were sold loose through Takara in Japan, but it's just very hard to find a carded example. And a lot of the ones that I've seen are sort of of that 60 grade because they're you know they're just in, in poor shape. Um this one is absolutely gorgeous. It has a, a great image of R2D2 moving um you know and, and walking and and that's it's the only star wars piece that that was like this um great little piece um right now it's at uh, a, a current bit of 2750 and uh the the estimate on it is 5 to 10,000. 
Do you think it's going to get to 5,000? I think easily. Uh, I think we've yeah. seen pieces that were, if I remember correctly, and this is a long time ago, but I, I think there was a 60 and it sold for something like six or $8,000. Um, just finding one on card where the, the card isn't damaged or the bubble isn't half open is like incredibly difficult. Um, I, I think, I think if, if you get the right people who are looking for this piece, um, and if this shows up on their radar, I, I think that this could go, it, it could easily hit the $10,000 mark, especially at an 80. Again, if you're looking for something different and something that is really rare and unique, um, R2D2, you know, he's, he's shown up in the Mandalorian and the book of Boba and, uh, he's pretty popular still. So, and it helps you learn French. I just found out that land in French is pays. Okay. You're probably not yeah. saying that correctly, but sure. Probably not. <laughs> Sky will like, slap my hand or something. <laughs> but I, it, says, it says collect all 20, but it only shows 18. It's interesting. Yeah. Got those two little noggins taking up those last two spots for R5 and... Whoever the other one is, Dust Squad Commander. Nope, there he is. Looks like Who's we just have him? Billy and Tommy in place of them right now. He's two little twin boys that are uh, in a green shirt and a red shirt playing with their toys. That's, that's going to drive me crazy. Who's the R five and Hammerhead? Good call. Are the two? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I I love the old school figures with the backdrops like that's like whenever i first started collecting i got my first figures in 1980 uh i got 30 they were 32 backs and so they still had the the cool backdrop so whenever i think of ben kenobi i think of him with that crazy crinkly brown paper backdrop and <laughs> the reason i funny story the reason i collect ben as my focus character was because growing up i I got, my first figures were R2 and Chewie on the 32 back. And I used my 32 back to, as a checklist to figure out which ones I still needed. It took me forever to find Ben. Like I had crossed through everyone else for like months and months and months and I couldn't get Ben. And so like, I would focus on him. Like, why can't I find you? And so that image of him in front of that terrible Brown backdrop, mm -hmm. uh, is like, was like seared in my head. <laughs> and so like, to this day, if I think of Ben Kenobi, that's the first image that I think of is yeah, those, those old school card backs. What was that feeling of finally finding him and, and bringing him home? My my great aunt, who is uh, the one that bought me most of my toys growing up, I came up to see her and I walked in the back door and she had this huge grin on her face and she's like, you'll never guess what. And I said, you you found the Ben. Like, I found the Ben, <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> and so yeah, and so I got it, and that was my prized possession. Do you still have the Ben? I do. I sure do. Oh wow, that's really cool. And and uh, is he still in pretty good shape? Or no, like, no, his figures to, are he's, worn. And... He's just beat to hell. Yeah, <laughs> it's significant playwear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have my original Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. I think I also had them on 32 backs. And um, uh, basically their heads came off at some point just due to play and everything. And, and so mm -hmm. um, my grandfather had to take a, a dowel and 
uh, I guess, glue it down into the, the, the cavity of the figure and then, you know, put the head on the figure. So, but I still have them. That's awesome. Yeah. The, my uh, original Luke figure, his head is as loose as it can get without falling off. <laughs> you did it. Somehow you did it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I played that. I played with those things. God, I didn't know how many hours. Now we're going to look at the, the 12 inch series and we have four boxed figures, um, three from star Wars and fourth from star Wars. I thought it was from empire strikes back, but no, it's star Wars. Um, so Matt, you had a really interesting take on some of these. Right now we're looking at, it's a Luke 12 inch, uh, a princess Leia 12 inch, uh, a Jawa, and then a Boba Fett. And they're all graded by AFA. Um, the Leia, the Jawa, and the Boba Fett are all still sealed. And the Luke Skywalker has earned a Q grade, which means they just, they removed it, um, or that the, the, the packaging is open, but all of the, um, the, the figure and all the items inside are still intact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I similar to kind of what we were talking about with the twenty backs. Like this, this seems to be another segment where we've seen some prices on the rise. Um, you know, my recollections. I got into. I I started getting back into collecting in nineteen eighty nine. So back then, toy shop was like the big the way to to you know buy your products because there was you know very little at your local comic store. Um, and my recollection, I, I might not be right, but this is just kind of what I recall was that 12 pack prices kind of throughout the years and then the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties, there really wasn't much movement in, in 12 inch pricing. Like Han was like, for some reason, really expensive, uh, IG 88, you know, there was kind of the, the whole, you know, aura about him being so uncommon. Um, you know, Fett always was was kind of priced high. Ben, for some reason was also my, my recollection was that he was fairly high, but, but all in all, the prices were very steady throughout the years, very little fluctuation. And then really, you know, over the last couple of years, you start to see the prices going up and here it's kind of culminated. We, We see this AFA 75 Q grade Luke with an estimate of four to 700 we already have a bid in at 200. Um, you know, for the longest time, that would have been, you know, a couple hundred dollar piece. And here, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, it, it gets past the, the 700. So you see these as really starting to climb similarly to the, the 20 backs. Yeah, not to that degree, but it's just interesting that we're seeing movement now. And where we had not seen much fluctuation at all, really, for years and years and years, and now there there seems to be more interest in them. And so, I guess my theory would be, you know, similar to what we're seeing with the twenty backs. Like, there's just such a, a delta between where the prices were and what the twelve back prices were, and people are either priced out of the market for twelve backs or finished their twelve back run or looking for kind of the next thing, and you know, they, they want to get uh, some more pieces from the first film and, uh, you know, the 20 backs and these just kind of check all the boxes. Sure. And you're right. They probably haven't hit the values where they really should be. 
at this point. Um, I have seen, you know, some of the more popular characters uh, hit into the thousands at times. And a lot of that is dependent upon the grade. Uh, it, it's very, it seems like it's very hard to find certain characters or just any characters from this line where the cellophane window is still attached or, you know, pieces haven't come loose or like even for Leia. Um, I know that her, her hair buns, um, they, they tend to unravel over time as well too. And so people are always looking for really nice examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just, I got my eye on these. Um, you know, I, whenever I got kind of back into collecting um, the items that I didn't have, you know, whenever you know, 2014 was coming around, I got the full run of the 12 inches for, God, I want to say like on average they were like, maybe 200 bucks a piece. I think the fat was like oh. maybe 300, 400. Um, and I, I like remember like that was like what the market was. I didn't get like some great deal. I didn't buy all of them for some like reduced cost per figure. Like that's just what the market was. And um, so I yeah, am just curious to see where these end up. The final two figures that came out, uh, the Boba Fett and the IG-88 are awesome. Um, we actually have one here in the auction. We have a, a Boba Fett graded at an 80 and the current bid on it now is $2,200 with an estimate of five to 10,000. Man, that's, that's healthy. (laughs) Yeah. Is this the first time that we're going to see a 12 inch Boba Fett cross that $10,000 mark? On an 80, man. Uh, I would be surprised, but um, I don't know if we're there quite yet, but I definitely I'm going to be watching this with interest. Like, it's cool that you know they incorporated his viewfinder into the the Mandalorian show. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think that's that's had an effect on this one. Um, it's just a really good toy. And I think also this was there's so much playability with this toy. Like it's been, I think it's been an underappreciated item, even though it's like of the 12 inches, it's, you know, on the higher end, but just as a a playable toy, this is like Kenner did a really good job with this item. Yeah. When you think about it, when it was released, I mean, the fact that it came with the separate Wookiee braids and, you know, the, the, uh, the jet pack and uh, the rifle and it, you know, it just, there, there's so much to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also having it displayed in a box with a window like that and having the, you know, two images in front, um, really help, you know, the, uh, the, the card back image and then the image of, uh, I guess the playability image on the front. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot to like here with this figure. Speaking of a lot to like with the figures, this next one, uh, number 1683, it's 12 inch box figure, but one caveat it's a Lily Letty R2D2. So, uh, for those that don't know, Lily Letty is the, the sub licensee out of Mexico. And my recollection on these with the 12 inch was like a lot of them came from one big find that happened. 
it was a warehouse find that happened in like sometime in the nineties, I want to say. And a lot like you know, most of the ones that are out there right now turned up as a part of that find. And of the character, like the cool thing about the Letty 12 inch line is they're, they're quite different from their Kenner counterparts. Uh, the one that's the closest I would say is R2, but it's not closest to the R2 12 inch from Kenner. It's closest to the three and three quarter inch scale. It's basically just like a pantographed up version of the regular R2 um, to fit into that 12 inch scale. I think the actual figure itself is about seven and a half inches tall. Um, so it's really cool to see it in the box. Now these, these Letty figures, I, I don't believe that the boxes were ever taped shut. Um, so I don't think this one's graded. I think it's just the the figure in the box. It's not graded, but it comes with a COA, a certificate of authenticity from um, CIB. I think because it's so similar to the Kenner R2, it's it's endeared itself to a lot of the folks that might not otherwise collect 12-inch or Lily Letty. Um, so this one and then the Sand People, which they didn't have a Kenner equivalent, but they made a Sand People 12-inch for Lily, uh, Lily Letty. I think those are the two most popular um, and then the R2 is quite hard to find in good shape. Lily Letty 12 inch in general are tough to find in good shape. So this one, even though it's not graded, it does look to be in pretty good condition and it comes with the, the insert, the little, um, this Spanish insert that, um, I don't even, I can speak very little Spanish, so I don't know exactly what it is, but, um, it looks quite aged. And but it, the insert itself in good shape, so I think there's going to be a lot of interest in this figure. I think it'll go for a pretty good amount of money. The box looks to be in. I mean, if you were to assign a grade to it, it would probably be like a like a sixty, maybe a fifty. It's got some looks like some wear around the top, but again, these these turn up so infrequently. Conditions, you know, less important. Um, so I don't think people will be turned off by the condition. I think people are going to go after this piece just because they don't come up very much. And it has an estimate of two thousand to five thousand dollars. So, um, I, you know, I think if a piece was was like if a piece like this was graded, um, I think it would certainly help the overall value. Um, and we've seen pieces in the past where they haven't been graded, and they they do come with a certificate of authenticity, but we just we don't see that premium thrown on it like we would with something that is graded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where do you think this one winds up? I think this one will, will get to that, the high end. Um, yeah, it just, with the popularity of 12 inch in general, seeming to, you know, they seem to be appreciating um, here's one that's just really, really tough to find. So, uh, definitely wouldn't be shocked if it, if it was at the high end there. Is this something you'd go for? Um, probably not. I, it's at some point I do want to put together a, a run of loose 12 inch Letty. It's just, the, it's so hard to complete a box run. This would just invariably wind up being kind of a one-off. Um, and since I don't really collect R2 
the character. So it it just would kind of be lost in my collection and in my display. Sure, and would be a frustrating reminder that you can't complete this run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> Vader and Sand People boxed. They come up very rarely. They're hard, really, really tough to find. Um, the, there's two different Jawa versions. One of the two is next to impossible to find. So I would, I would probably never, or I'll say never, but it would be unlikely I would ever complete that run. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't start it. Okay. Makes sense. Um, sticking with the international stuff as well, too. We have two pieces that, um, up until I would say a year ago, I really didn't even know existed. Wasn't familiar with them. Uh, they're pretty fascinating ones. So these are, this is a lots 1684, 1685, uh, they're made by Takara, um, so they're they're Japanese Star Wars figures, and they are the seven inch versions of um, of four of the the characters from Star Wars. So in this lot right here, we have two of the four. Uh, we have Chewbacca and Darth Vader, and um, I had spoken to a friend about these a while ago, and and he was telling me a little bit about them, and and he said that. Um, the Vader is actually the toughest one to find of an already <laughs> rare group of figures. Um, and there's also an error variant on the card back, uh, on the front of the card back. So uh, each card back has a picture of the figure. And then uh, it says the character's name toward the bottom. Um, at the top, some of them actually have the word Stoom Trooper, S T O O M. T R O O P E R. These do not. I think these are just the, the regular um, or the the corrected issues. But um, there were there were some that actually said Stoom Trooper on them as well, and then had the, the character's name underneath. But uh, right now, the estimate on on each of them is a thousand to two thousand dollars. I could see these becoming sort of those unique pieces, you know, especially as a seven inch item. Um, we really didn't have that in the in the in the the Kenner line. Uh, and you know, when you have a character like Vader, the fact that these are really hard to find and the fact that these are graded and, you know, still on card are, are pretty interesting. So I would really love to see these be some, some of those pieces that really hit, you know, way above their estimates and start to draw some attention to uh, the, the Takara seven inch line. That whole Takara line, it's so unique that it's not something you, that style of figure is not something we saw in the States. So um, the card art is really cool on these two. It's got that classic like Vader, like arms outstretched cape all wide. It's got the lightsaber coming out. Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot to like with these figures. Just they're cool figures and there's cool card art. So I, it looks like there's already quite a bit of interest too on the bidding. They've, they've already got, uh, looks like the Chewy has four bids and the the Vader has three. They're already just both seven seventy, so they're almost to the low end of the estimate. So, um, really cool to see those pop up. Yeah, and these are ones that I'm going to be just keeping an eye on just to see, you know, where they where they wind up. But um, it's it's a really you know just just an interesting unique piece of early collecting. So, Okay, we are now veering into boxed vehicle and playset territory. Mr. George, what do you think? Well, <clears throat> the, the premier piece of the last auction was a vehicle. Um, 
really the last couple, like there have been a number of standout items um, that were MISB uh, for the last several auctions. So it stands to reason there'll be some interest here in these. It doesn't look like we have um, some harder to find items in great shape. So I don't think we'll see another $42,000 Millennium Falcon. Um, but I think the, the best piece here is probably the Sandcrawler that got AFA 80 plus grade. Um, that's already got four bids. It's up to 2,700 and it's item number 1688 with a range of five to 10,000. And it should definitely get to the, to the minimum there of that, of that range. And I think it'll probably surpass that high end. Well, so there was one that sold at an earlier Hakes auction with a little higher grade. It was an AFA 85, so it was sealed and, and graded, and it sold in the November 2018 Hakes auction. Matt, what do you think it sold for? November of 2018? November of 2018. Oh, God. So that's pre-COVID. So that was 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> 7000 $16,874. Man, I'm way off on these. <laughs> so that that was an 85, you said? Yeah. At 16000 So I feel confident this one would surpass that high end of the range. Yeah, I thought that was just important to point out because, you know, we don't see very many of these. and um, But, you know, seeing something like that. Now, now an 85, of course, is always going to draw in a, a much higher value than an 80 or an 80 plus. However, AFA seems to be a little tougher on grading now. So an 80 plus uh, for a lot of people is, you know, pretty, pretty close to an 85 and, um, and, and works for them. So yeah, uh, I, I think of all of these, uh, it's, that one's probably going to be the most popular. I agree with you. Um, but we have some pieces here, which I really like. We have the patrol do back, uh, the star Wars land speeder and the X wing fighter that are all sealed and graded, um, and they're all the original issues. So with the Dewback and the Landspeeder and the Darth Vader TIE Fighter, they were re-released, I believe it was in 1982, uh, maybe 83, and they were released with this sunburst image on the top right-hand corner, and it said uh, Collector Series. Um, these are not from the, the later uh, reissue. These are These are the original ones. And I just have a feeling if, if collectors are really looking for rare pieces and especially those rare early pieces, um, the land speeder, the dewback, and especially the X wing are, are just going to command, you know, high prices. Um, if, if there, you know, becomes a bidding war, but, uh, and, and if collectors are, are attuned to that where they're looking beyond the, the 12 back figures. Yeah, I totally agree. And that dewback. It's really tough to find that it's it's the original release, so it's not the collector series. So it's the first one that came out in what seventy eight, seventy nine, uh, and it, those are really tough to find, uh, especially with when the like the tape has dried out quite a bit on these, um, and you, oftentimes you see really bad discoloration of the tape, and a lot of times they've just completely dried up. Uh, these look to be a pretty strong seal. The tape isn't too bad on these. Um, yeah, this just overall looks like a solid piece. And yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, 
If this one just there was a bidding war on this one. On the dewback? Yeah. Okay. I, I think the underneath the um the Jawa Sandcrawler is going to be the X Wing. I, I think the, the X Wing is just has yeah. been super popular lately. Again, we saw it in the Mandalorian. Um, but finding the you know a sealed box uh, is just incredibly difficult. It's such an iconic piece. Uh, beautiful image on the front of it. Um, the estimate here is two thousand to five thousand dollars, and I can easily see it going over five thousand. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, it's another Luke's X wing has shown up. Uh, what we saw it in Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. We saw it in. Mandalorian season two, we saw in the book of Boba Fett. Um, so it continues to, you know, stick its nose in a lot of the, the recent content. So sure. a lot of interest around that item. Um, now the, the next piece after this is part of the collector series. So this was um, one of the three vehicles that was released with the collector series image. And was that reissue in 1982, 83, um, this is the Darth Vader TIE Fighter graded at an 85. Um, we actually saw one sell last year. It was a CAS 85, and it sold for $2,337 in June of 2021. So this one is an AFA 85, and uh, you know the estimate on it is $2,000 to $5,000, and um, it'll, it'll probably hit the midpoint of that. Yeah, the the collector series. You know, my 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 sensibilities say anytime someone says collector series on something, don't collect it. <laughs> sure. Um, but this seems to have bucked the trend. They, they, there's people out there that you know definitely like these. Uh, they don't sell for nearly as much as the original release, but um, this one being an '85, that's a tough tough uh, item to find in '85 condition. Uh, I definitely think there's going to be a significant amount of interest in this one. Mm. As well as the next two pieces too. So we have the, uh, these are two of, I think the most iconic play sets and, and also most desirable play sets in the star Wars line. Uh, this is the star Wars Cantina adventure set. And it's, it's a Sears exclusive graded at a 75. And then we have the Palatoy star Wars death star cardboard play set. And that's been given a Q 80 plus by AFA. This is like probably my favorite of of um, all the Star Wars toys. Is this item? Um, we never got it here in the states. the The box art is phenomenal. I like the fact that it features a vinyl cape Jawa on it. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, little British boy playing with it on the bo- front of the box. There's like a vinyl cape Jawa right next to Luke and R2 and Leia next to the Death Star. Seeing Jawa on a Death Star is like mind blowing. Um, I just like the way that the, that Star Wars logo with the, the Hildebrandt, Luke and Leia next to it, that double racetrack. Like I just love the way that looks. And then the fact that it's on this giant box here with this, you know, great toy that features all the, the characters on it. Um, this just to me screams Star Wars. It screams seventies. The kid's got his 
turtleneck shirt on playing. He, this kid gets all gussied up to go play with his toys. Like that's how important these toys are for him. So I, I think this is, uh, I don't know, in my mind, this is the high bar in, in terms of like play sets and, and, uh, and toys for that initial release. I bummed we never got this version in the U.S. Well, so we had received, so this is the Palatoy Death Star playset. And um, here in the U.S., we received a, a plastic Death Star playset that was multi-tiered. And it, it came with a Dianoga trash monster. And um, I mean, just you know, different levels of play, trash compactor, uh, a, a, an ion cannon, all these really cool features. Palatoy, when they were making this Death Star, they did not have the budget to produce that. Um, they did not have the materials or the budget. So in order to come up, they wanted to come up with something that would be comparable with what they were able to afford. And uh, so they came up with this. Um, it's it's basically, it's a cardboard version of a Death Star. Um, it looks more like a, a half of a globe and it has layers that are essentially cardboard platforms for the figures to come on. It is much more detailed than ours. Um, each piece, you know, because it's cardboard, it's set up as, you know, some sort of backdrop or floor. Um, there are, you know, elevator stations. Uh, there's a cannon on the top of it. And so it's, it's this really unique piece. Um, Matt, you're right. This is, I, I think it's one of the most beautiful um, box art covers that we've seen, especially, you know, for the star Wars toys and items. And, um, it's just, it, it's a huge piece. It's gorgeous and really hard to find. Yeah. And, um, now don't get me wrong. I like the, the U S version. There's a lot to like about it. If you got, I think it's, you could put six of them together in a circle and make like a gigantic death star with the, the U S version. Um, and you'd have kind of that round look to it, like the Death Star, like the Palatoy Death Star. But this one, this one's really cool. It's got five unique, distinct play environments uh, on the Death Star. Um, there's like five sections. And then one of the sections is like, uh, you've got the, the trash underneath uh, another play environment. So that there's just a lot to do with this toy. Um, and then it kind of doubles as a really good display as well. So if you've got this up on your shelf, you can display your, your star Wars figures in it. And, um, it was, to me, it's like this piece was like ahead of its time. And, um, even though they had a reduced budget, they really knocked it out of the park with the playability of this piece. Yeah. And even something as simple as the, uh, trash compactor area, what they did is they just took a, Oh, it's essentially like a little room, uh, of the cardboard walls and they just, they just made it smaller so that if you put Luke, Leia, Chewbacca and Han Solo in it, um, like they have it on the, on the back of the box, it looks cramped. It looks like the walls are caving in. Um, you're right. This is, this is the result of people who had to really use their imaginations with a limited budget, um, and really try to deliver the best possible project. And you can, you can absolutely see the love, care and thought that was put into this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, love this item. It's, like I said, it's my favorite item that that uh, came out back in the day, and um, really wish we got got what I got here. Uh, I've got one of these that's in really good condition. It's up, like I think it would probably grade eighty plus. Uh, 
the tape had has dried up, so it would get a Q grade. So I'm very interested to see how this one ends up. And it looks like it's already at 4,500. And it's got six bids. And looks like the the estimation is five to 10,000. So it's already almost at the, the low end there. Right. Yeah, it's a great piece. It's a fantastic piece. Um, and it's always exciting to see something like this, something that we don't normally see in mm-hmm. uh, a Star Wars auction. Um, and just, you yep. know, the fact that it is, um, you know, graded and, and complete is also really nice because they're just, they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. Now they, there, there were, uh, different versions of this item, uh, based on the country you were in. So I think that, um, some of the other countries versions have popped up in, in previous Hakes auctions. I think there was one that was, uh, I can't remember which country it was from, but it sold for, it was the rarest one. And it sold for uh, quite a bit of my, I should have done my research before I came in here on it. Um, I knew I'd be talking about this one, but um, the Palatoy is the most common version. Um, but you rarely find them in good shape. Um, so the fact that this one is in 80 plus condition is uh, really cool to see, even though it's got that Q grade. I mean, it's, Finding a sealed one of these is like a unicorn. There's just very few of them out there because the the tape on these things uh, weren't meant to last all those years. I, I generally don't collect any items with Q grades. I, I just tend to, if I'm going to go for a piece, I want to I want to make sure that it's it's sealed if I'm going to spend the money. Um, but with something like this, you're right. It just they're so rare and they're so hard to come by that it it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, and then the other playset that I mentioned that was the Cantina Adventure set. Uh, again, this was a Sears exclusive. Um, it was essentially a cardboard backdrop of the Cantina, and it came with four figures. Um, those figures were, uh, and they were all sealed in in little baggies, and then put into uh, cardboard boxes. And it was uh, the Walrus Man, uh, Hammerhead, Greedo, and then either a blue Snaggletooth or sometimes a red Snaggletooth. So this one seems to be similar to the early bird kit where the one that everyone wants uh, is the blue snaggletooth or the double telescoping Luke. And then the rarer one is the single telescoping Luke, or in this case, the the red snaggletooth. Um, So not sure which one is in this because it is sealed uh, and graded at a 75. Um, The estimate on this is, is in the same ballpark as the, Death Star Palatoy set, and it's five to ten thousand um, dollars. There are a number of bids on this already, and it's up to thirty three hundred dollars. Matt, do you own one of these in your collection? I did at one point, um, and I ran out of space to put display all the vehicles and playsets, so I wound up moving um, a bunch of them off and just using that money to get other things. But um, this was like. I want to say this was the last piece that I needed to get sealed to have the full run of um, vehicles from the original movie and playsets from the original movie. So it took a while to track down. I think mine was the 75 condition. I remember I wanted everything at least 80, but I just couldn't find an 80 conditioned Sears Cantina playset. So um, they don't come up very often in, in, in sealed condition. So, 
It's not surprising this is already at 3,300 with four bids. I think this one's going to um, definitely get to that that minimum, like 5,000 of the of that opening range there. Well, Hake sold one in March of 2019, and it was graded an AFA 80, so slightly higher. Um, what do you think it sold for? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm over 2 on these. Um, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's in it's in the yeah. um, it's in the four figure range. Four? Okay, I was going to say twelve five. So what 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 uh, what it ended up at? Sixty two hundred dollars for an eighty for an eighty. Yes, in March and of twenty nineteen. That was twenty one okay. years ago, and uh, yeah, that was <laughs> by COVID years forever ago. Yes, and then uh, last year in June of twenty twenty one. An AFA 80Q sold as well. Where do you think that landed? Same price. 4500 Interesting. Yeah, so slightly okay. lesser. Um, I really, you know, I just, I love this piece so much. Um, I, I think because it was a Sears exclusive and it was one of those that, you know, it just, it has such a, such a rich history to it and an interesting one uh, as a Star Wars collector. Um, I was... I'm really hoping that it hits the high end of the estimate, the five to ten thousand dollar estimate, but um you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think it will. I mean if if a seventy five Q went for what, forty five hundred, this seventy five seal is gonna like blow past that. Yeah, it so. was an eighty Q that sold for forty five hundred. You're right. It, like, Q. Finding a sealed one is is really next to impossible on a lot of these. So they're tough. Yeah. Man. I wish you'd go back in time and get that sealed eighty, man. <laughs> sure. Okay, so I think that really wraps up the Star Wars segment, and uh, that was a, a pretty large segment. I think we were looking at uh, it looks to be about a hundred pieces um, just just from the first film, and so we've covered that. Uh, there was some great stuff in here, Matt. Was there anything that really stood out to you? Anything that you either might be targeting uh, for your own collection, or things that you just would would like to see how they turn out in this auction? As far as stuff that I'm targeting, I. I need a 20 back power droid uh, to finish off my run. So I'm looking at that one. Um, and then I'm curious to see how the Palatoy Death Star ends up just because I really like that piece. I'm always interested to see how early bird certificates uh, turn out. Here's an 85 plus. This is, if you're in the market for one of those, this is about as good as, it's, as it gets. And then obviously I want to see how the, the J slot turns out, but um I want to see if the trends of the 20 backs and the 12 inch continue to, to go at the, the trend we've been seeing really over the last couple years. Um, see if those continue to play out like I think they will. Um, and then again, the vehicles that seems to be the hot thing in the market these days. And just want to see if, uh, see if we see more of the same here with this, with, with the items here, not, not a ton of vehicles, but, the ones they do have are, you know, fairly sought after. I like some of the unique pieces that we saw. The um, the, the twenty bell um, listed as the collect all twenty one back bell. Um, I think that's just a beautiful piece. Um, I'm excited about seeing where the um, the Kenner Canada wind up R two carded figure goes. Um, one piece that we didn't mention earlier that we we kind of skipped over um, that I think could be one of these 
shockers, uh, is just a simple loose, loose snaggletooth figure. Um, it's loose, but it's still sealed in the bag and it was graded at an 80. Um, you know, a, a loose one, not in a bag sold for, I think 3,800 in the last takes auction. And, um, you know, this one has a little momentum. It's at $700 right now, 658. And, um, you know, it's estimated to sell between $1,000 and $2,000. And this is just the blue snaggletooth fits in with the vinyl cape Jawa and some of these other pieces that um, hardcore and casual collectors are always looking to add to their respective collections. So. Yeah, definitely a lot of fun stuff here in this auction. Uh, looking forward to looking at the ESB and Return of the Jedi and Power of the Force, droids, Ewoks. There's lots of lot to talk about still. So plenty of material for us to go over on the next couple episodes. And it's really nice to know, too, that, you know, some auctions are front loaded with, you know, the really, you know, big ticket items or the most interesting items. And then it starts to kind of dwindle from there. And with this, I mean, you and I were talking, you know, before um, for every film line and for every, you know, toy line that that Kenner produced or that was around the, the 1977 to 1985 line, um, there are so many pieces in this Hakes auction and so, so many kind of high grade, very rare, you know, big ticket items throughout the entire thing. Um, and and I, I think there are going to be some really big surprises too. So you're, you're absolutely right. Um, going through this stuff and, you know, just, just talking it as two collectors is, has been a blast so far. I can't wait to dive deeper into this with you. And, you know, especially around the empire stuff, the, the Jedi stuff and power of the force. I think it's going to be a, a really enjoyable experience. Yeah. Hope everyone enjoys listening to them. Uh, you know, at least as much fun as we've had, uh, doing these because i you know i concur it's been a lot of fun talking about this stuff kind of talking about what's going on with the the new star wars content on disney plus and and how it translates to the toys so it's been a lot of fun okay so please join us for the uh the the third installment of uh the look at the hakes 234 catalog and uh matt really it's it's always a blessing and and a pleasure to do this with you Um, I look forward to our next chat. Likewise.